Hello, everybody. Um, well, it's a girls' night out tonight, so um, we were supposed to be talking about Julian Assange and his appeal. Um, well, we will be talking about Julian Assange and his appeal, but um, first of all, I just wanted to say that Chris is having problems with his internet, uh, which won't be resolved until the beginning of February. So uh, we're we're girls' nights, I'm afraid. So sorry, fellas. Uh, it's just us ladies tonight. So if you'd like to bring in, please, Deeper Driver, Doctor. Shall so shall just I a small recap, you were in, in the court yesterday. I was indeed. Essentially, um, the case is at a stage where, as many of you will know, Julian won at the magistrate's court. And um, the U.S. decided, oh, yes, now that the now that Julian's team have won, we will get to, we will start putting in assurances, as they say. And these assurances are, as Amnesty International and others have said, not worth the paper they're written on because they essentially say, oh, yeah, we won't torture him and we won't do these horrible things to him, like putting him in solitary confinement or in, while he's in prison for a in the U.S years or whatever while yeah. he's in prison for 175 no, no, years. years potentially but what they're saying is what they won't do is put him under what they call special administrative measures and for those of you who've never heard of spe special administrative measures it sounds like some kind of bureaucratic thing right but actually what it is is it's been described by u.s human rights organizations as the darkest corner in the world where essentially people are put into a black hole and they're not allowed to communicate with the outside world. So were he to be extradited to the US in those conditions, what, what the US have said, have tried to assure us they will not do is not give, not force Julian to only be able to speak to his family twice a month for 15 minutes each. And horrible things like that right put him in in a concrete box where he will be fed through a hatch and where we, he will not have any contact with the outside world now they're saying oh yeah we're not going to do that but we reserve the right to change our mind yeah this is the quality of the assurance they have given and that the judges at the high court stage have accepted and what are the ways in which um, these assurances could be retracted? Well, firstly, we know that the U.S. has unilaterally reneged on these assurances in very, very clever and manipulative ways by messing with the wording of things. But also, they could also renege on it based on any action or um, conduct by Julian since February last year and essentially what that means is if Julian were to say to Stella I still believe in free speech or things which to us seem quite banal or if the CIA and the FBI and remember, remember these are the two organizations that that were behind the plot to kill Julian in London yeah and they would have the right to say oh we think Mr. Assange's conduct is such that these assurances should be withdrawn and he should be placed under these measures. So what Julian's team were doing, Gareth Pierce, um, very, very 
a highly respected lawyer and her team are doing was to try and say this is not a fair way to behave you lose the case you then put in assurances and these assurances are not they're conditional they can be withdrawn at any time and they're written in a way that um, allows the us lots of wiggle room so they won't put him in xyz prison adx florence in this case but they might put him in a different prison which is equally bad so yeah. the way things are worded can be used to manipulate things i hope that makes sense um lizzie and then yesterday um many of us queued really early in the morning because we only found out on friday that the decision would be given yesterday and many people weren't sure how many would be let into the court because in the past we've had to queue from 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. in order to be able to get one out of two seats which were made available to the public for example so yesterday was much more civilized i'm glad to say but still many of us got there early in order to make sure we had a place and i was certainly there early because i wanted to make sure i could monitor the trial were you uh, was julian there no, he wasn't. And that's disturbed me about this whole process. Um, the other thing that's very worrying right now is um, not long ago, in fact, at the time of the last set of um, hearings, Julian experienced something called a TIA, which is a transient ischemic attack, which is a mini stroke. And since then, he's been rather poorly. And as you can imagine, you know, over a decade of constant psychological torture does not just affect the mind, it affects the body. Yeah. And we don't know what the long-term effects of con constant torture are. He's now coming up to three years in Belmarsh. Um, I don't know why he didn't attend yesterday himself, but I, I assume that's because it was just a pronouncement, which means all the judges did was read out their verdict. They didn't explain very much they just read it out and handed in the paper and that was that yeah because the 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 result came the announcement came about 10 45 wasn't it so that was that was a very rather short time that you were in the court and with no explanation particularly given how do you feel about you know i mean it's obviously a very long road ahead still but how do you think the the feeling how how are the feelings running you know for for people on your team that are that are on Julian's side uh firstly in terms of the verdict yesterday it was a small victory in a very long battle so the fact that um i must say it was a very confusing verdict yesterday and I'm, I won't name the newspaper, what one of the national newspapers got its headline wrong, uh, because the wording is, we have denied the appeal. But the other part of the wording is, we have upheld a point of law. Now, what this means in lay people's terms, it, as Craig Murray, uh, you know, the historian has wonderfully explained, is that the, the case can go forward to the Supreme Court and it is common practice at high court stage to say, to, to, to use this terminology to then give the Supreme Court enough room to be able to say, yes, we will consider the case, but it is on our choice. So a point of law being certified is a very important thing because it suggests that this is new territory. And with 
with the entirety of the of Julian's case, whether it is the European arrest warrant being signed by just one prosecutor instead of going through judicial process as it should, and thanks to Julian's case, that being changed through to through to yesterday, we have a situation where Julian's case is setting new precedents, whether it is about a journalist being um, indicted under the Espionage Act and persecuted in this way, whether it is a journalist being extracted with the help of Alan Duncan and his mates to uh, give a £4.2 billion loan to Ecuador and a further £6.5 billion, not billion pound, billion dollar loan to Ecuador in order to manipulate a deal to extract this uh, journalist from the embassy in order to hold him in Belmarsh and pretend as though he skipped bail when actually what he's done is sought asylum. And it's very clear he sought asylum because you know that there was a CIA plot to kill him. And <laughs> you're now in a stage where, you know, we're, um, we're charting even more new legal territory. Often when I asked the lawyers, what's the next stage? They said in the earlier stages when we we're talking about this, they were saying, well, it's not entirely clear how they will proceed. Yeah. So, and it's it's really confusing for most people on the ground because you think people feel really nervous to talk about the case, right? They understand the press freedom angle. They understand the democratic rights angle. They understand the free speech angle. But the case has gone on for over 10 years and people say, oh, well, what if I do get this detail wrong and that detail wrong? Don't worry about the details. If you care about democracy, if you care about free speech, if you care about your right to know if your government is committing crimes, both abroad and at home, if you care about the environment, if you care about murders in Iraq and Afghanistan, if you care about torture at Guantanamo, if you care about corruption in Kenya, you need to speak up for WikiLeaks and Assange because this man is about... Um, in that space where he could die, a life is at stake, and it's not okay to stay quiet at this stage. Yeah, it's definitely not okay. And for for those people, I'm sure all of our audience know all the details. But for those people who don't know the history, I I said to my youngest son uh, earlier this evening. Do you do you know the name Julian Assange? And he said, "Yeah, of course I do." But he's been he's been going on about this for about ten years, hasn't he? You know. And I said, "Yeah, but the man's in prison." Oh, is he? So people know the name Julian Assange, but they they only know uh, um, that. I mean, they don't know the entire story, and they don't even know that he's in prison. So if you could just sort of recap. You know, what sure. what he did, what did he do for a start? Thanks. I, I guess I should have started there. You know, it's very That's tempting right. when you're an activist to just launch in at the deep end where you've been paying attention and you're absolutely right to take take a step back and think about what it was that WikiLeaks did. If you can think about um the eighties and the nineties, and you can think about the concentration of media ownership whether in Britain or abroad, with a few, you know, big names, whether it was Murdoch or whether it was Maxwell, owning all the big titles. And most of most of the communication happening via the via the news media, you know, which is the mainstream media rather than through the internet and conversations like this. 
Julian helped at that time when media concentration was so high that organizations such as the Washington Post were receiving that, uh, you know, information from whistleblowers that they were just not carrying, either because it wasn't big enough to make an international splash or because they were in bed with uh, the defense forces who were feeding them tidbits of information and they didn't want to get on the wrong side or because they were genuinely unaware of the scale of the problem and, you know, think thought that things like you know, going to war in Iraq was based on weapons of mass destruction. It was at this time that Julian conceived and began to think about WikiLeaks as a way for whistleblowers who in this new information age had access to vast amounts of data and wanted to communicate that to journalists and to the public. But it needed to be done in a way in which you had an organization which could a guarantee security for the whistleblower because if you leak about say Iraq killings in Iraq your life is at stake and so whistleblowers are afraid to come forward and same you know if you're leaking about Arab moist corruption in Kenya your life is at stake so yeah. Julian created a me mechanism to securely communicate information but not just security, security for the whistleblower, but also security for the documentation to ensure that the documentation was what it was. And how do you do that? You do that by creating a network of experts who can look at the documentation and say it's right. And that's a record that WikiLeaks has to this day where they have a 100% record of accuracy, yeah. which no other news organization has. And from leaks coming on very, very sensitive topics, so things can, you know, there will be intelligence agencies trying to feed them nonsense, but yet they have managed to pass through all that and get us true information. The third thing that WikiLeaks did, which was unique and different, other than this secure Dropbox and the sec security of the information, was to be able to liaise with two kinds of journalists. One, the big Washington Post, Guardian, New York Times journalist, who, when you put them in collaboration and they're competing against each other to, in that collaborative venture, to be amongst the people who are reporting on crimes like Guantanamo, as well as having local organizations, for example, in Tunisia, which helped spark the Arab Spring, who would understand the data, or in Italy with Stefania Marisi, for example, who would look at the data and say, this is what it means locally. So you have this information coming out of, say, the diplomatic cables, and you, the person in Italy can say, oh, okay, this relates to a meeting that Berlusconi had on such and such date, and this is where he took a bang, or he, this is where he did something. So WikiLeaks was able to create that. So it was a huge media innovation because you had this technological advance you had this advance in terms of whistleblowing, and you had a, a, an organization which was not beholden to anyone. It wasn't taking, you know, um, money from the U.S. government or from the British government and therefore willing to be silent. So when the U.S. said, stop releasing information, WikiLeaks said, no, we will continue to publish. And that's why WikiLeaks became so respected but also so hunted by those like the CIA and its allies, for example, in Sweden. Sweden wanted to sell more Gripen fighter jets and to prolong the war in Afghanistan by doing so. 
And so all their allies, like Sweden, Britain, came together with a plan hatched by this organization for, called Stratfor. Um, and it's a global intelligence organization. And for those of you who think I'm making this up, you can see the GI files dump on the WikiLeaks site where they show you this organization saying, we're going to smear Assange, move him to from country to country, treat him like a bride in prison, um, feed him cat food. And these are the things we're going to do to destroy WikiLeaks. We're going to destroy him. We're going to destroy anybody who comes in contact with him. And despite these threats and despite Julian, among amongst a lot of people who understood what was going on, understanding the reality of these threats, not just going into it, being stupid and taking the risk, but recognizing the reality of this, but also recognizing the responsibility he had when somebody like Chelsea Manning gave him information that we were murdering, raping, torturing men, women and children in Iraq and Afghanistan. We were we had 789 Muslim men tortured and dehumanized in Guantanamo, 14 year old boys tortured. Uh, I can tell you the story of a man called Khaled al-Masri. He was he's a German citizen. He was abducted on the Macedonian border while he was on holiday. He was taken by eight CIA agents, taken to a CIA black site and sodomized and beaten for months in a case of mistaken identity. And when the CIA realized they had kidnapped the wrong man, they continued to torture him because he must be a bad guy anyway. And then when Mr. El Masri was returned via Albania to Germany, nobody believed his story. Nobody believed this could happen. His family had moved back to Lebanon thinking he had abandoned them. He had a young family. And Mr. El Masri's case was going through the courts. The US put pressure on the German government to stay silent, to not corroborate what had happened, to not go after the CIA agents who had indicted their citizen. Mr. El Masri only got justice at the European Court of Human Rights because of WikiLeaks's releases and the diligence of the journalists who matched the flight logs to the people who had done things to him. So, yeah. and to this day, the US will not admit that it has tortured him, despite us having so much documentary evidence. So this is the kind of person we're dealing with. This, these are the kind of people we're dealing with who are willing to lie, cheat, um, defame, smear, and destroy people in order that their crimes can't be seen. Yeah. That's terrible, isn't it? Well, um, so then we we come on to the, uh, the accusation of rape, um, which, I mean, so many people still now uh, come come on to the comments on Twitter even to say, well, of course, you know, there's no smoke without fire. He must have done it, you know. And even that story is not told correctly. I'm glad you asked me about that. I think it's something that people are very uh, reluctant to talk about, especially when they support Julian because they think, oh, well, we don't want to come across as being defensive, et cetera, et cetera. But let me, let me just start from the beginning. Firstly, and most importantly, many people talk about uh, rape charges. You didn't, and you're quite right not to, because there were never any charges. 
So you can imagine this investigation was kept by the Swedes in at preliminary investigation stage for nigh on seven years. Why would anyone keep it in preliminary investigation stage for that long? Yeah. Because that gives justice neither to the victims nor to the person accused. And the answer is because at preliminary investigation stage, the level of exculpatory evidence, the evidence that clears you, doesn't have to be disclosed. The Swedes, when they originally investigated the case, closed it because they believed there was no case to answer. Yeah. They did not have um, the relevant information to be able to say what had happened. And nobody, neither you nor I nor anyone else, knows what happened in those rooms with those women. What we do know is that the CIA and the FBI do everything they can to use sexual assault smears yeah. in order to because undermine how do, you, how do you defend against that? Sure. sure. And in this particular case, there are some very interesting things. Firstly, that the investigation was opened and closed three times. And the reason, and at each stage, if you read on February 8th, there's a new book that's coming out by Professor Niels Melzer, who's the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture. He's a fluent speaker of both Swedish and English, and um, he understands what happened in the case. And he has investigated all the documents. And what is what is even more interesting is that the women's own testimony was altered by the police. And one of the women left the police station saying she would not sign the testimony because it was not what she had alleged. Yeah. The term rape is used um, very misleadingly in this case. Um, and I, I, I can go into the detail, but it's worth reading Niels Meltzer's report. And I, I can put a link to that in the chat. Julian has been um has not been allowed to defend himself because of the fact that there was never any charges laid well when he was hiding in the ecuadorian embassy well taking refuge in the ecuadorian embassy he invited uh the swedish people over didn't he to question they, and him. he did and the in fact he said he was willing he knew and just to contextualize this there were two men, Egyptian men, Elzari and Agiza, who had sought asylum in Sweden, who were rendited by Sweden on behalf of the US to Egypt and tortured, even though they were in the process of seeking asylum in Sweden, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he was aware that the Swedes were colluding with the US and doing these kinds of things, yet he offered to go to Sweden to be interviewed as yeah. long as they gave him an assurance that he would not be onward indicted to the US. And the Swedes refused to do that. Kiestama's CPS said to the Swedes when they, when they were investigating the case, this is not being treated like any other extradition. And they even said things like, don't you dare create toll freed when the Swedes were saying, oh, well, you know, we can't, yeah. there is nothing to go on. And there is also further evidence that at every stage, you know, when, when for example, tens of millions of pounds are spent on, spent on surveilling the Ecuadorian embassy using laser microphones, surveilling the protesters who are standing outside. This is not because Sadiq Khan or others care about women. This has always been about using the sexual assault smears in order to hide the rape, murder, torture and killing of women in Iraq and Afghanistan.
Yeah. And this, the weaponization of sexual assault smears is something I take great exception to because it is wrong and it should not be done because it demeans us and it undermines the fight for, for women's safety yeah. because it creates a situation where neither the accused nor the accuser can get any closure. And in no. this case, it's very clear that that's, that's the, the evidence has been manipulated. Um, we have information, for example, of, of the way the US has put pressure on people. This is not like any other case. No, and it isn't. Because it was under his reign as head of CPS that all this happened. And he's, I've asked him a question in our CLP at a GC meeting, and he lied in that meeting. Yes. That's the answer. Well, we, we we all know Keir Starmer's record on uh, telling the truth, don't we? Uh, somebody was saying that um, if Keir Starmer had signed, uh, had been asked if he was actually a socialist, he could sign this letter. Um, we we all knew knew that he would have signed it because he's lied about everything else. <laughs> Why wouldn't he sign sign something that was a lie? You know, as far as he was concerned. It, it does can make make us worry about the position of Keir Starmer in the leadership of the Labour Party at the moment because uh, he was uh, he was in the CPS at the time of Jimmy Savile as well, wasn't he? And um, and the 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 alleged uh, misbehaviour by Julian uh, against these women who they've have they ever been identified you know have uh, have they ever come come out with their allegations no and the reason why is Sorry, because... I, what do you mean by have they ever come out with their allegations their allegations have been made it's been got it's gone through a court pro, um, um, uh, the swedish police process and we know very clearly what the women are what the women are saying where their um testimony has been altered and we also know professor Meltzer's report which says that it is clear that the swedish um authorities have misused the process and misrepresented uh, justice throughout this process so julian has been um he, he, you can see this by the fact that sweden closed the case at a point where Julian was in Belmarsh prison and they could do what they liked with him. They didn't choose to extradite him then. No, they chose right. to close the case because they never had a case. The The extradition warrant was always a ruse to get him in Belmarsh so that the US could serve their yeah. sealed indictment. And that's what this has always been about. Yes, yeah, so why I mentioned the, the, the women was because um, surely if that was you or I, um, we would have spoken up about why hasn't Julian been held to account? Why hasn't, you know, wouldn't we? Would we? I, I, think we would. I think, firstly, I think that I think one of the women has spoken and it is different people have attributed various motives to what she has said. But I don't I don't want this to be about bashing those women because oh, um, no, whether no. they were whether they were telling the truth, whether they were misrepresenting what was there. What is true is that the, the two states involved, Britain and Sweden, have misused their own processes in order to deny justice. Yeah. I mean, Britain has been so bad that when Julian broke a tooth while he was in 
the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, he had broken it before and he had to, he, the dentist said he needed a root canal. They wouldn't let him go to a hospital to have root canal treatment, which means for seven years or thereabouts, he's been in incredible pain. He had yeah. a nasty shoulder injury, which required an MRI and medical treatment. Now he has lost some of his arm function because that was not treated. Yeah. He's been deprived of sunlight to the to the point that this man who has hereditary osteoporosis snapped a rib while trying to tie a shoelace. And you can imagine how much physical and emotional pain you're in when you're accused of a crime that you can't defend yourself against, when people who are shameless hypocrites are speaking on the media while they know you are silenced and you have nowhere to speak. Yeah. And do you... Sorry, please. No, you go on. No, you go on. I was just going to say, with things like um, sexual assault smears, most people on the left, most right-thinking right people on the left, will will feel a sense of empathy with the people who are the accusers, will feel that this is wrong and which should not be done. And they have weaponized this feeling of empathy yeah. and used it to cover up the rapes, murders and tortures of women and children in Iraq and Afghanistan, the horrendous, horrendous brutality yeah. to men in Guantanamo. I, I, yesterday I was reading about something called, we've all heard of waterboarding. Yeah. And there's another thing called dry boarding, where they were stuffing rags down people's throat to give them the sense that they were asphyxiating as part of this torture, which went on for months. They were yeah. telling, I have spoken to somebody who was told his mother would be raped if he didn't confess to XYZ crime. And this kind of horrendous torture that people have gone through Nobody knew about it. It's only thanks to Julian's case that people have started to talk about that because irrespective of WikiLeaks's release, which were great and lots of people, you know, were started to get concerned about things, we are only hearing about a lot of this information now because people are paying attention to Julian's case and then seeing this as, as stuff that is going on in the background. And that's what Julian wants us to focus on. He'd yeah. rather we didn't focus on him and his pain. He wants us to focus on the things that he revealed so that there will be more WikiLeaks and there will be more Chelsea Mannings and there will be more Edward Snowdens who tell us what's really going on. Yes, there will. And so, so how long do you think that there could possibly be between now and any appeal? So, so the way the process works is, um, just to put it very simply, it's death by a thousand cuts, right? So you have this torturous process where he wins the case and then he's told, oh, no, you can't have bail, even though you've won the case. Yeah. And why, do they, why is that the case? Just so that at every stage he can be given a bit of happiness and then that taken away from him, told he's going to be sent off to the US so he attempt suicide as he has done in the past and to put him under so much pressure that he collapses yeah and the next part of the process is designed for exactly that so now what will happen is the supreme court will then first say whether it will consider the case then it will opine on the point of law and in this process gareth pierce team gareth pierce's team may also contest some of the other grounds which have not been certified if the Supreme Court says 
yes, you know, we uphold the lower court's decision, great. But if it doesn't, it goes back to the magistrate's court, at which point it can go to Preeti Patel for certification, at which point we can have another cross appeal. So it continues for, I don't know, depends on when you get court days, a couple of years at least. Yeah. And in all this time, Julian's children, who one of whom has never seen him outside of the prison, yeah. and Julian's partner and his elderly parents are suffering. He is suffering. His body is not taking the pain of being in a maximum security prison. Some of you may have heard the little audio file that Stella Morris's fiance uh, released of the sounds of Belmarsh. And anybody who hears the tortured sounds you can hear in that prison, know, and anybody who's been to prison knows how horrible and Victorian our prisons are, how how they hold some of the people, as Craig Murray has said, the vast majority of people in prison need medical treatment. They are suffering from poverty and from lack of me appropriate medication. And Julian is stuck with, with a situation where he can't get good food to feel better. He, he, he's a victim of torture, as the UN Special Rapporteur has declared. He's a victim of arbitrary detention, as the UN Working Group on Arbitrary Detention has declared. And yet he can't get the care he needs. So, you know, we, we don't know where this will lead. So I don't know how long the process will take. It's how long is a piece of string, but a few years at least. How do you think that we can make any any impact on on bringing out the truth of this because we all know that Julian Assange should not be he should definitely not be in a maximum security establishment i mean what sort of people ordinarily get sent there so belmarsh is a category a prison usually for the for the section that he's in which is the high security bit it's usually people who've been involved in terrorist offences um Belmarsh is also a local prison for the area, so there are people who have been involved in smaller offences, but you have um, very serious murderers, um, rapists, child molesters, etc. in that prison. But actually, these prisoners have shown more humanity to Julian than people on the outside, and we all think of prisoners as somehow, you know, in a different category, but actually they're not, they're just us and they're just gone through life in a different way. Yeah. Um, um, unfortunately though, for a man of his intelligence, he's lost one of the peak periods of his productive working life. And that means a lot to him. Remember Julian is somebody who's on the autism spectrum. He has been diagnosed as somebody on the autism spectrum who has Asperger's syndrome. Uh, he's somebody who has chronic depression he is in a stay in a in a situation where due to covid for a very long time for almost 2 years he was in his cell alone 22 and a half hours a day the prison is doing cruel things like last year for example when temperatures dipped below zero they wouldn't give him his warm clothing which was in the prison's basement uh, in the lockup because they said the paperwork internally within the prison hadn't gone through but the paperwork couldn't go through because it was on, it had to be signed on paper, and because of COVID, they were not putting the papers through. This kind of bizarre 
stuff was going on. For example, they gave him a laptop to prepare for his earlier stage of his extradition trial, and they glued the keys down. The cruelty he is experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis, which is banal cruelty, is very wearing. Yeah, staggering, absolutely staggering. And do you think that, I mean, when it comes down to it, this is, you're talking about prison staff. So they must, do you think they believe the propaganda? Like, like, like I was saying about these people who come on Twitter and say, well, he must have done something, otherwise he wouldn't be there. Um, do you think that they, they believe it that so that they're, you know, like it's like all of us. If we were told that our neighbour was this, we might feel we might feel justified in going round and giving them a good kicking. Well, one one of the things I must say is that um, when I, I mean, I I I don't I'm not part of the um, defence committee, which is the committee to defend Julian Assange, which is the grassroots supporters group. I've always tried to stay separate as a legal observer on behalf of the Holding Society of Socialist Lawyers. But when I've um, spoken at some of their protests, I've seen the curtains twitching at the Belmarsh gate where the officers have looked through. And my suspicion is that other working class people, because it's usually black and brown people and working class people who work as prison, prison officers and who work, you know, in... Um, who are in the prison even, and I think they recognise, if they're if they're explained to, of course, the importance of us knowing that Tony Blair, who's now been elevated by the Queen, killing loads and loads of people. That he's a war criminal. So we have the war criminal being fettered by the Queen, while the person who revealed the crimes sitting in Belmarsh. And one thing I wanted to just emphasize because of our conversation about the Swedish allegations earlier, is that there is nothing in this indictment that doesn't relate to journalism. There is nothing in this indictment that relates to Sweden. Yes. This is only about the Iraq war logs, the Afghan war diaries, the Guantanamo Bay torture, and the diplomatic cables. So the indictment is purely about showing up the United States' as crime. And it's not just about him publishing the information, it's also receipts. So if you and I were to, if a journalist today were to receive information about U.S. war crimes, how likely do you think it is that they would publish it? Yeah, well, they wouldn't. Done to a so it's not just, you know, it's creating a chilling atmosphere for journalism. The, ju the atmosphere has already been created. Yeah. Well, should we uh, should we bring in Sean? Have we got any questions? <laughs> hi, Sean. Hi, hi. How are you? Uh, mm. Yeah. Oh, I've just been absolutely riveted to the screen listening to that di uh, deeper. Um, oh, wow. What what can we say? Um, I've got one question from um, Acha John, and then I've got a question for you. Um, how's the approach to the um, SC going? Um, I, I, I would think that means the Supreme Court. Um, just bringing points of order of procedure and guarantees from the US system seems restrictive. Can Assange's defence bring any further arguments? Okay, so you're right, uh, John. Um, the 
so far, what we've heard is the US's side of the case because we've Assange's lawyers have been arguing about the points that the US made in their appeal. There is something called a cross appeal that takes place. So right now, even at the Supreme Court level, it will be the arguments that will be had will be about the US case and the US assurances. The broader big picture questions about journalism, about freedom of the press, about uh, the public's right to know, about the public interest in all of this will only come at the cross appeal stage, which will only happen potentially. And we again here, we're not clear about the process because all this is new territory. When, if he loses at the Supreme Court and it goes back to Priti Patel to extradite him, and we know what that racist is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask a question about the, the staff as well. Lizzie brought it up uh, before. My question was more about who are the staff who are looking after Julian? Are they um, members of the POA, for example, the Prison Officers Association Union? Um, or are they uh, private prison officers uh, working for the likes of um, G4? Securicor. Yeah, Securicor or G4S. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on this because I'll have to double check. But my the last time I looked, Belmarsh was still staffed but was still in um not one of the privatized prisons but they do use organizations like g4s and security core and uh, i i don't know the answer to this sean i think they use them in things like transportation for example if julian were to be brought to the court things like that but i i would have to double check and let you know I, I was just wondering if there was any way that we could um lobby the poa um, and try to bring more attention to Julian's case in that he is a political prisoner and that they should be looking out for him. Oh, that would be great. I think you some I think Lizzie, you asked earlier, and I neglected to answer this question, which is what can people do? Yeah. I think number one, educate others around you. They may be your brother, your sister, your friends. We need more people out on the streets when there is a call for action. We need people to know, we need people not to repeat the lies, not to say, oh, those Swedish charges, because there were never any charges, for example. Oh, well, didn't he dump all the files? Well, no, he didn't. He had the, he did a huge amount of work to make sure that uh, the files were correctly posted. And in fact, it was the US who, even after being told that somebody else, in this case, the Guardian, had leaked the password, um, the the US didn't do anything about it. So we have lots of information like that, which is you know detailed that you that it's useful if those who are really interested understand. And we create a community of people who can answer questions because this is a complex case and people are not paying attention. If you gave me a pound for every time that somebody says, "Oh, isn't he still in the embassy?" and you just think, "Where have you been?" But people still think that because people's lives are hard. People have been going through two years of um, both austerity and COVID. People have been, you know, having their own problems. So the fact that they're not thinking about Julian, I can understand. But we have to do, we have to also pressure our MPs and especially talk about things like the the stroke in prison, the fact that this sets a bad precedent for journalism and for freedom of speech. If this Tory government cares about freedom of speech as it says it does, it should care about, you know, the truth being told. 
put pressure on, if you can't put pressure in the UK because you've got a crap MP like I do, which is Keir Starmer, then talk to, you know, put pressure, encourage people in Australia, in the US to put pressure on Joe Biden to drop the charges. Write, you know, put up a sign, put a sign in your window, make it acceptable to talk about Julian. And we have got to that critical mass where all the major international human rights organizations, even those like Amnesty and Human Rights Watch, which are a bit wishy-washy at times, have all come out between with Julian. All yes. the major newspapers, including The Guardian, which benefited so much both from his releases but also from spearing him, have come out in support because they recognize they're already in the firing line. And it is important that we all speak up now. Support whistleblowers contribute if you if you're financially in a position to do so contribute to the to the defense fund um stella morris his partner needs that support and if not anything else just talk to other people participate in discussions uh, join us offer us your solidarity make yourself visible supporting julian if you're in a trade union pass a motion in defense of julian if you're in a community group pass if you're in a momentum group or a labor CLP or in a Labour branch, invite me or others over to talk to your branch about the case and answer questions like, what about Sweden? What about this? If you're not in a position to answer them yourselves. So um, I'll stop there. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I was going to, to, to suggest. I was going to, you know, there will be a trade union um, congress regional meetings happening um, throughout this year. Um, and I would strongly um, ask people to put motions through your branches, your local trade union congress branches, um, pass them up to the regional and get them to congress in September. Um, let's take some action on this. Let's take some action. Let's let's get the uh, Prison Officers Association on board um, and uh, get them to look out for Julian. Um, there's no reason that he should be having this treatment in prison. Absolutely none. Um, and we all need to look out for each other. Um, um, Deepa, where can people go to get further information about um, protests that are happening, um, write, letter writing campaigns, that kind of thing? I, I'm just going to put a link in the chat. Oops, somebody's trying to call me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to put a link in the chat, which is to... Um, the uh, a model motion but that same website wiseupaction.info contains all the information about protests and upcoming actions the other this wiseupaction.info is maintained by grassroots supporters who've been stand, who've been there since the days outside the ecuadorian embassy people who genuinely believe in the truth who believe in democracy and then you have the don't extradite assange campaign which was started a couple of years ago this is the formal campaign and they're a much um, more, you know, they do all the big press events and things like that. And they are they, the DEA website is a good place to look for all the latest information as well. So both Wise Up Action and the Don't Extradite Assange website are the two places to go to. Uh, in the US, if you're listening, sorry, if you're listening for the US, the Assange Defense uh, website is the good place to go. Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, what about um, when when we tried to save our NHS from privatisation over the years? Hello, <laughs> we have um, 
we have got together with our local Unite Community Union and uh, with the People's Assembly, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, different organisations to fund um, transport. So we all pay, uh, you know, pay as much as we can or as little as we have, uh, and we get a minibus uh, funded by our local union branch or whatever to go to uh, protests. So why can't we do something like that to get, because I know so many people would love to go and, and help outside Belmarsh, outside the courts, but of course they can't afford to travel to London. You're right. And, you know, things are very expensive nowadays, especially when people are on smaller budgets. So yes, we'd be very, very grateful if we had support from more support from around the country. We have, last time we had, two of our Scottish comrades come down all the way just for a few hours and drive back because it's so expensive to stay overnight in London. But, you know, they came all the way and that meant so much to us, Craig and John, and it was just so lovely. And we need more people to to do that and to, um, to bring their trade union community branches because once you come to that, for example, they have a vigil every Saturday outside Belmarsh. Once you come to that and you see those grey walls and you see what he's under, I think it changes you. It really does. Coming outside that court, you know what it's like on a picket line? That's what that that outside that court feels like, that feeling of solidarity and love and um, genuine, genuine affection for each other, even if we have completely different political views and things like that, because we we believe in doing what's right. Yeah, we, we must... We must all uh, face up to the fact that not only are journalists at risk here, it's it's everyone. And our freedom of speech is being curtailed. We, If we don't stand up for Julian and, and speak out, if we don't present ourselves or make the effort to get to these protests, and if we don't make a big thing of it, you know, um, you know in my little town, Stroud, we we've had probably four um in the last year we've probably had four protests about the privatization of the nhs we've had 10 uh xr protests we've had the school strikes why haven't we had one about julian assange so perhaps you know organize in your local all the audience who anybody who watches this you know, go to your go to your local town centre. Uh, all the people that agree with you on Twitter and Facebook and live where you live, get them all together and say, "Look, just come on. Let's just let's just write a, a create a big poster saying Julian Assange, and ask invite people to come and ask you questions about it. You know, and start talking about it. And let's normalise this. Get it get it out there so that everybody knows the case inside out." Um, yeah, Deep has said that the um, the justice for um, Assange. Uh, sorry, what's that? The JADC, the Julian yeah. Assange. The Defense the defend Julian Assange. It it it's some kind. It used to be the Julian Assange Defense Committee, and then they changed the heading around, so it doesn't it doesn't exactly match. But it, the committee to defend Julian Assange, which is the group that runs WiseUpAction.info, they have. Yeah. We can find leaflets on there. Yeah, they have leaflets. They'll print it out and send it to you. 
They'll Excellent. give you packages with badges. Um, there's lots of information that they can give you if you if you say you will organize something. And there's lots of people to support, you know, come out and talk to people with you if you would like to organize something, particularly in London. I know it's been hard during COVID. The other thing is, um, I think while you were speaking, uh, Lizzie, I was thinking it, it would be really nice um, if people could write in to Julian, if they can. Um, we that's the that's what I was going to end with, is the, uh, please, can we have the address to write to Julian, please, in, in, the, uh, in the chat? And all, it only has to be a letter from you to another human being. Doesn't have to be anything special. Tell them, tell them how silly your cat was last night. <laughs> and last thing you want to say, Deepa. I just want to say, you know, um, Chris uh, was the first MP to bring up an early day motion on Julian in Parliament. So huge thanks to him for speaking both outside Belmarsh and in Parliament for Julian. I'm glad that. John McDonald, no matter, you know, um, other things that we might think. He's done a phenomenal amount of work on pushing Julian's case. He's done huge amount of work. He's, he's, you know, he comes and he stays and he talks and he supports. And it was wonderful to see Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn, um, about 10 days ago at, at SOAS in London. We had a big event uh, where we were talking about Julian's case, it was an academic event, and but also members of the public were included. And Jeremy stood up from the audience and he said, I'm here to support Stella and the children, and I'm here to, and what Julian Assange has done is reveal a crime. He has not done a crime, and it's I'm, I stand with him, and our shadow cabinet stood with him, and John, uh, I asked John to go and see him in Belmarsh. And it was so wonderful to see Jeremy and Laura supporting, Laura, supporting, uh, Julian and seeing them, Richard Bergen has come out uh, in support. Uh, Claudia Weber has speak, uh, spoken. Um, so many parliamentarians, including Zara Sultana, for example, have all spoken out in defence of Julian. Um, and you know, even on the right, people like David Davis, who you know we would have no truck with on other matters, have come out and spoken in defence of Julian. And I respect them for that, for being able to look past their petty. <laughs> you know, party political leanings and think about what's right. So, Deepa, yeah. we've just got one last question that's just come in from Kaz Bryan. Um, she says, um, with all the breaches of protocol, uh, for example, the recording of Julian with his legal advisors and the doctors whilst in the embassy, why hasn't the case been thrown out? Fantastic question, Kaz. In any other case, if the prosecuting country was seeking to murder the defendant who was in a position of asylum in a third country's embassy, the case would have been thrown out. In any other case, if the FBI's main witness, in this case, a guy called Sigi Ing Sigurdur Ingitordason, who is a convicted pedophile and serial uh, fraudster, has admitted that the FBI bribed him in, in giving him uh, amnesty for his own test uh, for his own crimes, in order to in to make up lies about Julian. The case should have been thrown out. Most importantly, you're absolutely right. He was spied upon while he was in the embassy. Privileged legal conversations were spied upon. 
when he was thrown out of the Ecuadorian embassy, his privileged legal papers, 10 years worth of legal documents were handed over to the FBI. Yeah. In which other case would you see the, the Lord Chief Justice and others saying a case could go ahead in these conditions? It is shameful. It is wrong. It tells you that there is no justice in Britain. If the British legal establishment is willing to turn a blind eye to these huge breaches of basic legal rights. So absolutely spot on, the case should have been thrown out, but pre this pretense of a legal process is taking place because we haven't had enough of a roar from the public to yeah. say this cannot happen. Right. Well, thank you very much, Deepa. And just to just to sum up, write letters to your MPs. It doesn't matter if your MPs don't read them, actually. If they get a huge volume, they don't have any choice in the matter. They have to respond. It might be generic, but at least you're doing it. So please, even though your MP might be Keir Starmer, <laughs> please write to them. Please write to Julian. Um, at, at the prison and, and just tell it, you know, tell him a nice tale, uh, you know, that'll perhaps cheer him up. If we all send one, if we all send thousands, at least 10 of them are going to get through, aren't they? Unredacted, hopefully. And uh, also in your, if you can't get up to London, if you can't get up to Belmarsh, Go to your local town centre, go to the action link that we've put in the in the wise up action, get a, get leaflets, get badges and start going out. When you go out to talk about anything else, go out and talk about Julian Assange and, and let everybody know the truth of this matter is that the man is being held as a political prisoner uh, with absolutely no charges against him whatsoever. So thank you very much, Dr. Deeper Driver, for being with us tonight. And thank, thank you very you, much, Sean Bloor, for, for doing our comments and Q&A. And thank you very much to the audience. Good night. Thank you.